Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. Listen, listen, we are excited. Uh, we just uh, spent the entire month of February in one direction. Um, this week we are taking a strategic break. God has laid upon my heart a message uh, that, man, is, is one for everybody. One for everybody. And so I, I'm excited for, for what God has in store for you today through the word he's delivered me. But I also want to encourage you, if you weren't a part of our February sermon series called Are We There Yet? Where we're focusing on our family and four strategies for success, I suggest you go ahead and pick that up on YouTube. You can go to Apple or Spotify podcast and listen to it there. Uh, we are excited for the way God is working here uh, at Relove Church. And listen. This morning, I want to jump right in. I want to jump right into our word. We're looking at Psalms 103 for our scripture. Psalms 103, verse 13 and 14. I'll read it in your hearing, and then we will pray and get after it. It says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Pray with me as we enter into a word called, it's deeper than dirt. Heavenly Father, God, we are grateful for the atmosphere that you've created. We're grateful for the opportunities you provided afresh this morning for us to receive from you and to pour into your kingdom. Our hearts are open. Make your word clear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I had a memory that came to mind this week when I was preparing the sermon, and it had to do with my mother and my father. Uh, my mother was someone, and, and, and I recognize many of you do not have the opportunity to know my mother or my father as they both live in Michigan, which is where I'm from originally, but a, a very clear memory I have of my mother and my father that launched me into the thinking for for this word today was how my mom used to keep her house. My mom was not a housekeeper in the sense that she would keep things. If you go into my mom's house, it is immaculate. It's whatever it is. It's not the biggest. It's not the grandest, but it's cleaner than a hospital. It is sanitized. She's got the whitest walls, the pinkest carpet. She's one of those people that's got a room in the house that you don't sit in. And all the most comfortable furniture is in that room, but you don't sit there. Right? It, 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 it looks nice. It's a clean place. And, and it's funny because I, I realized the type of guy that my, my mom married in my father when I looked at my boots this week because my boots this week reminded me of my, my dad. Now, I say that because I don't know if where you are, you can see the bottom of these boots. What's on them? It's dirt. There's mud. There's mud all over these boots. I was hiking the other day, and I, I'm lying, y'all didn't, I'm lying, I wasn't hiking. I, t I told my nephew, I said, hey, go put some mud on my boots, man, because y'all know I ain't used these puppies in about six, seven months uh, since the retreat. <laughs> I'm lying. But, but y'all feel me, y'all get the visual, right? So we got these hiking boots, okay? And on these hiking boots is some mud. Now, this mud reminded me of my mom and dad this week, and I'll tell you why. 
We've had all this rain. We've had this dirt. When the rain and water mixes with the dryness of the dirt that we see in Southern California, we get this substance called mud. Now, this mud, is, 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 it makes me uncomfortable to be holding it so close to my white shirt. I'll be honest. It, 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 I, I wrapped them in a Walmart bag to bring them here today because I didn't want this to get into my car. If I were to wear these, I would clean them first, even if I knew I was going to get them dirty again. Because this mud is undesirable. This mixture of dirt and water is something that I do not want on me, near me, on my belongings. And when I thought about my dad this week, I thought about how his boots used to look, because they looked just like this. My father uh, is a landscaper, and throughout his entire life, I remember as a child watching my dad come home, and his boots would look like this. The mud would be caked to the bottom of them. And the first thing my mom would do as soon as my dad came, Rick, take those boots off on the porch. Don't bring those boots into my house. Rick, get your duty, dirty boots off of my front porch. This is what I remember. And it reminded me because we do not find dirt or mud desirable. We don't want this on our things. We don't want this in our lives. We don't want this falling all around and all over us. You see this mud, you see this, this dirt, you see this clay, these boots, for many of us, represent our lives. It represents the undesirable things, the, the, the painful things, the uh, uh, shameful things, the things that may have hurt us or may have happened to us, the things we are not proud of. It may represent our abuse. It may represent a, a, a marriage that went... The South, it may represent something in your life that you do not find valuable now. And in this, in this moment, what you'll find is you will recognize that when we think about the dirt that's in our lives, when we think about that, we have an adverse response to what these things are within us. And when I think about it even deeper, and the first point that I want to leave with you today is that there is meaning in your mud. There is meaning in your mud. For those of you who saw me, and I know those that may be watching online may not have seen, or those on the podcast listening may not realize, but when I slapped these boots together behind me, clumps of mud dropped, and it's right behind me, and I almost feel scared to walk back and step on it because I don't want to track that mud around because mud spreads. I don't know if you realize, but some of the bad stuff that may have happened to you, it impacts your kids. It impacts your spouse. It impacts the people with whom you come into contact. And mud is not something that we often find desirable, but I'm here today to tell you that there is meaning in your mud. Now listen, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4 has, has a slick one for you. It says, it says without oxen, a stable stays clean. Hey, but it says, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Now, what this is telling me is that, that everybody wants the strength that the ox brings, but no one wants to shovel the stuff that it produces because there's something about the mud that is undesirable. It's something that we, won't, we don't want. But listen, listen to me, family. There's meaning in your mud. That means that no mud, no ministry. No mess, no meal. 
No mud, no marriage. The best things and the most meaningful things come by way of a mess. I know this is true because I came by way of a mess. You came by way of a mess. The very first people that ever existed came by way of a mess. I don't know if you realize in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says exactly how we came. Now, before that happened, before God designed Adam and Eve, and I, I'm telling you that there's meaning in your mud. Stick with me. It says day one, day one is actually the formation of day and night, right? Then we recognize that day two, God created the atmosphere. We see in scripture that on day three, he created the plants and the trees. On day four, we see the sun and the moon and the stars be put into place. Day five, the birds of the air and the flesh of the sea. Day six, God creates animals and man. And verse in, in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says specifically that the Lord God formed a man from the what? From the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, I want you to think about the meaning in your mud, the meaning in your mud. When you look at that scripture, all those things that came before Adam and Eve were spoken into the existence. They were spoken there, right? This is what we find. But what we now see is that when it comes time for God to create humanity and the likeness of his image, he did not speak into the air. He was very intentional and deliberate. He was very specific with the way he wanted to form Adam and Eve. And what did he do? He got down on his hands and knees if God has hands and knees and, 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 and he put his hands down into the dirt and he cultivated the soil, right? There had to be the correct mixture of water content with the dirt content to create the, 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 the dust of the ground that Genesis is speaking of when he actually formed Adam and Eve. He gave Eve a little curve on her, right? He gave, he, you know, you know what he did, you know, and, and he created Adam with the little chiseled you lying. He didn't create Adam with no chisel, nothing. Adam looked like me. Y'all better calm down. Adam looked like me. Y'all better chill out. He, he, he created Adam with some hunger, right? And he created him and fashioned him and formed him in a special kind of image. And he did it with his hands. He did it with the dirt. He did it with the mess that's created with the mixture of dirt and water. God was specific and deliberate and intentional with the way he created humanity. There is no difference with the way he created you. And because of that, you can rest assured that whatever you don't like about yourself, whatever you don't like about your life, whatever you may have experienced that can be compared to this dirt that you find so undesirable, I promise you, God knows all about it. And he loves you even through it. Some of the most meaningful moments in our life come by way of the mess. But too often we miss the meaning of the mud because of the mess that it makes. I don't know if you realize this, but uh, also in the creation story, we see that other things were formed. Day five, the stars, right? And the sky. And I don't know if you knew this, but there's this thing that we have in school 
Uh, if you guys can remember back that far, for some of you who may have been out of it for a while, it's called the periodic table of elements. Now, there are five periodic, uh, ta- there are five elements from that table that make up the majority of the things that we experience on earth. Stars are one of them. So when stars explode and bear their contents, uh, astrophysicists have been able to actually measure the content of a star. Stick with me. The content of a star has five major elements. Those five are hydrogen, helium, oxygen, carbon, and nitrogen. Hydrogen, helium, oxygen, carbon, and nitrogen. Now, I don't know if you realize, but when you test those elements, you will find that the dirt contains those same five items. I don't know if you realize it, but 75% of the human body is made up of what? H2O, which is hydrogen and oxygen. Are you getting what I'm putting down? I want you to understand that there is meaning in your mud. That the same thing that makes the stars made the dirt. The same thing that made the dirt made you. So not only do we exist in the universe, but the universe exists in us. There is meaning in your Mud. I know we don't like to look at it like that. We don't want to get down to the nitty gritty of, 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 of our mud and our dirt. But when you do, when you expose the dirtiest parts of your heart, the unclaimed crevices and the enclaves of your soul, when you get down in there, you will find something dirty, but you will find the beauty that God made with that dirt inside of you. With every imperfection, point to the craftsmanship of God. And we in Christianity so often want to credit our imperfections only to sin. But what if God made you, you for a reason? There is meaning in your mud. God got down in the dirt to make you. Why then would you be so ashamed to bring your dirt to him? God got down on his hands and knees and made mud out of you. But we feel like we got to clean ourselves up before we come to church. I know y'all hear me online because you ain't here. Not in person, you're not. Now, if you're out in South Africa, we love you. <laughs> we glad you're there. Hey, but you, if, if you're in one of our area codes, you should be here with us. Come on and join us. And if you are not here because you believe you first got to get your life clean before you can come into the place of the Lord, you are mistaken because there is meaning in your mud. Don't let the mess make you miss the meaning in your mud. My second point is mercy. Mm, Mercy. Now for this one, I want to point to another story. This is going to be our second vignette that shows us the mercy that is contained in the mud. If you look at John chapter 8, John chapter 8, we're going to put these scriptures up on the screen. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. I want to review this story. Some of you may know it. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, it says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Verse 2, at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Verse 5 says, In the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? So the next verse actually gives us content 
or context as to what's going on here. See, we see that the Pharisees are actually trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to back him into a corner so that he can answer a question incorrectly or in a way that's against their teachings so then they can have a reason to scrutinize him and to, 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 to belittle him in front of the crowd. Uh, verse 6 continues, it says, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Now, there's a few different theories of, uh, out there among theologians and whatnot of, of what Jesus was doing when he knelt down into the ground because I don't know if you realized it, the scripture does not say what he wrote. It just describes this peculiar behavior that he was kneeling down on the ground and drawing something in the dirt, which is a weird thing to be doing. One of those theories is that he was <clears throat> playing tic-tac-toe. Now, this is from the high theologian. I mean, I'm not going to argue with them. It's just what they say, you know. Uh, uh, another theory is that he was writing scripture, right? Uh, but I think the theory that is most widely known and that we go with is the possibility that Jesus was with his finger writing in the dirt the names and sins of the men who had brought this woman to him. The names and sins of the... So I just want you to imagine this scenario. Imagine this situation. There's a, there's a group of men surrounding a woman and Jesus in the middle. And Jesus is down on his hands and knees. And, 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 and he knows that, 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 that it, it, was, it was this guy named Jack that brought this woman to him. And so as Jack is approaching, bringing this woman to him, he's writing the name Jack. Lust. Last Tuesday. <laughs> James's wife. Now James comes walking down and James sees that Jesus is writing in the sand and in the dirt that, that, that there's actually lust taking place here. And so now James is looking at Jack and then Jesus goes on and continues. Uh, Nicholas Jankoska, 11th grade, backseat of the uh, uh, right after prom, okay? And you see the next one. You see, okay, uh, 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 we see uh, this person, uh, DJ Susicki. Uh, this person did this at this time. And these people are around him and they're seeing that Jesus is aware of these sins and knows these sins. Now Jesus takes it upon himself not to say, any of y'all want to throw a stone at her, you can do that if your name is not on this list. Now, if that's the case, I want you to understand that Jesus was very uh, intentional with the way he used the dirt and the ground and the mud to demonstrate that there is mercy in your mud. There is mercy in your mud. Now, Jesus was the only person there in this scenario whose hands weren't dirty. Jesus was the only person whose name was not on this list. Jesus was the person with the clean hands who was able to wipe clean the slate of this woman and her sins. Now, if Jesus, the one who could have brought her through her dirt and dragged her through her dirt and knew all of her dirt, knew the dirt of the people that were surrounding him, chose not to drag them through their dirt, why then do you drag you through yours? 
If Jesus, the one who, who, who had the clean hands, chose not to, 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 to specify and, and uplift and focus on this woman's shortcomings, why then do you focus on yours? How is it that the mud that Jesus used to demonstrate mercy cannot also be the place wherein you see mercy in your life? I don't know what the mud is for you. But what I see very clearly in scripture is that Jesus said, enemies, drop your rock. And the scripture goes on. The scripture goes on. And it says in verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, now go and leave your life of sin. If Jesus did not condemn her, Jesus does not condemn you. Now, Pastor Rico is not up here condoning sin. Pastor Rico is up here elevating mercy. This is what you see in the mud of scripture. The enemy throws stones at you because you're dirty. But God got down in the dirt to deliver you, not to condemn you. We love saying John 3.16, but we stop. And we don't ever say John 3.17 that says Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And this is the part that we leave out because the only one who had a stone to throw didn't throw it. And, and the only one who knew all her dirt didn't drag her through it. The devil had to drop his rock. The people around had to drop their rock. How does the mud in your life point to the mercy that God has given you? There is mercy in your mud, but we miss the mercy because of the mess. There is mercy in your mud. My last and final point, we're going to be short and get out of here today. My last and final point is a miracle. There is a miracle in your mud. There is a miracle in your mud. Now, this next story of scripture comes from the very next chapter of John. We're moving from chapter 8 to chapter 9. John chapter 9, verse 1 through 7, it says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. This is Jesus. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus, notice his answer. Jesus said in verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He got straight to the point. I don't know if you've been around church people very long. But church people like to get into the nitty and gritty and why is someone's like this and how they got to how they are. Well, they're blind. They must have had. Well, they did this and they did that. If you let Christians write the Bible, they would write all of the stuff that we don't want to talk about. All the stuff we don't because they love to focus on the dirt. But Jesus cut it short and simply said, neither one. Not him or his parents. Because you need to understand that at that time, culturally, the expectation was that if you were born with some sort of physical ailment or some sort of issue, it was because you or a member of your lineage or your family were actually people who, who had been sinners or had sinned in some sort of, of way. But what we see here is that Jesus is saying that is not the case. Neither, verse 3 says, this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Verse 5, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. 
made some mud, put it on the man's eyes. Now, this man was blind. He was not deaf. So I want you to consider the scenario. This man here is blind. He cannot see who's around. He cannot see what's going on or the happenings, but he can hear. So imagine being this blind man already in a place of need, in a place of vulnerability. He cannot see, but he overhears a conversation of, of, of a couple other people down the way saying, man, what happened to him? Why is he blind? What did he do? Man, he must come from a dirty family. He X, Y, and Z. Oh, his family must have done this and that and this and that. He hears this, doesn't know who it is that's saying it. Then the next thing that he hears is this. <sighs> So it goes from a bad situation to a worse situation. It's already he's blind. On top of being blind, he hears people talking about him and gossiping. Now he hears the person that he's expecting to heal him spitting on him. So now he's got a face full of saliva and mud dripping down his face. Sometimes, I want to tell you, family, sometimes things get worse before they get better. I, I'm here to tell you, sometimes it, it rains to make a rainbow. It is just, it's just the way it is. And in this particular scenario, if you put yourself in this man's shoes, you're going to see, hey, that was a very highly uncomfortable situation to be in. But also recognize the proximity of Jesus to this man in this moment. Because God is closest to you in your greatest moments of need. I just dropped one on you that I want you to take with you this week. I'm going to say it again. God is closest to you in your moments of greatest need. So verse 7, Jesus tells him, go, wash in the pool of Shalom. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. See, now listen, I want you to notice that when Jesus had the opportunity to, he did not heal the man's eyes in a way that was neat and tidy. Jesus chose to use the mud to make a miracle. And this mud is a just add water solution. It's a just add water solution. If you got a little dirt or a little sand, a little soot somewhere, you just add water and now you have mud. In scripture, dirt often represents our physicality. It represents our shortcomings. It represents our, our, our dirtiness, our sin. Biblically, water also represents something of its own right. It represents cleansing. Water represents renewal. In scripture, water represents the movement of the Holy Spirit. So if you are coming into this place today or listening to this word today and you feel like you got some dirt on you, you feel like you've been carrying a load, you feel like you have some reasons to be ashamed, if this is truly the case, my suggestion is just add water. Just add water. Because the water makes that dirt mud. And as you can see in Scripture, Jesus used mud all throughout Scripture. We were made from mud. He was writing in the mud when he was showing the mercy of the woman. He actually made a miracle out of mud. You just need to add the Spirit in your life. Now, how to do that may be a whole other sermon, and I'm not going to jump into that, but I want you to know that just adding water to your situation will change your perspective on things. Jesus chose to heal him the dirty way. How does, this is my question for you. How does the mud in your life set you up for a miracle? 
How does the mud that you're experiencing, the mud that you've had happen to you, the mud that you carry set you up for your next miracle? If we began looking at our mud instead of a burden and looking at it as an indicator of the future goodness of God in our lives, how differently would we be affected by that mud? I'm going to be honest with you. Today's sermon is not a, a breakthrough type word. It's just a perspective change. I'm just asking you to change the way you look at things. This mud in particular. There is a miracle in your mud. Do not let the mess make you miss the miracle in your mud. Now I'm going to close with one more scripture. And this scripture is dear to me because of what it communicates for my future, what it communicates for, for, for your future. When we look at the potter in Jeremiah chapter 18, uh, this was a, a part of scripture that was written in the New Testament. It has to do with Israel and God and God's relationship to Israel. But I want you to recognize that it also has to do with you and God's relationship with you. And Jeremiah 18, one to six is a perspective changer for us. Here's what it says. It says, as the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah, he said, go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me and I found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. Verse five says, then the Lord gave me this message. Oh, Israel. Huh. Can I not do to you as the potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. Now, I am not a potter, but I recognize that the ingredients of clay made to use pottery involves dirt of some sort and water. So all throughout scripture, we see this common theme of the relationship between dirt, which we like to cast off of us, and water, which we often avoid, which is God. When in reality, there is a power in the mixture and the combination of those two things that we see in this scripture, that Jesus can use that and remake you. Jesus can use what hurts you and rebuild you. Jesus can use what casts you down and bring you up. Jesus can use what locked you up to set you free. Jesus can make a beautiful thing out of this dirt. Now, uh, I want to sh share with you, some of you have heard this from me. There's a, an ancient Japanese art called kintsugi or kintsukoroi. This, this, this art, you may have seen it before, this art is, is, is the art of repairing broken pottery with gold or silver lacquer. And what you can see is up here on the screen, there's a pot that had been broken. Now this broken pot shattered into the various pieces that you see this pot to be made out of. You see that because each piece is now outlined with, with gold. Now what, what the potter will do is they will take gold shavings or silver shavings of dust and they will mix it with lacquer or some sort of pottery adhesive and they will use it as glue to stick back together the various pieces of the pot, okay? 
So, so, so I want you to look at this pot, and I don't want you to just see a pot altogether. I want you to see a pot that was containing many pieces of a person's life, that are containing many hurts of a person's past, that are containing the, 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 the pain that a person has experienced that has now been brought together and formed together and, and, and made gold by its creator. Now, this is such a powerful image. I'm going to ask that you leave it on the screen. But the next part of what I want to share, and I'm closing with this, I, I, I wrote it, and I don't like reading, but I'm going to read this for you because I wrote this, and this demonstrates my heart for what I want you to get about this dirt, this clay, and this broken pottery. You are more valuable to God as a broken vessel, as a broken vessel than you are as a flawless piece of art. You are more valuable to God as a broken vessel than you are as a flawless piece of art. Your creator takes more pride in your flaws of his broken pot than he does in the uniformity of perfect pots that bear no evidence of life. What if I told you that making mistakes as a Christian is necessary to have a relationship with the potter. What if I told you that the dirt that you carried in here today was necessary for you to have an experience with the one you came to see? The purpose of a pot is to contain something of value. In Jesus' time, pottery was used to carry water or wine to contain flour for food and to serve guests. Where there was a pot, there was life. Now I grew up, as I shared with you, my father was a landscaper. These boots reminded me of him. I grew up watching my father plant things in pots. And those beautiful things, or those, th those things were, were planted in soil and became beautiful after some time. But growing up in my father's backyard, I never found a pot that contained a beautiful flower that was not also dirty. Because where there is no dirt, there is no life. It's the put back together pieces of God's broken pottery that most accurately showcase his craftsmanship. It's the gold lines running through the middle of the pot that represent the times in our lives that we made a mistake and he cleaned it up. That represent the times when we cried out to him and he answered. That represent the times where he made a testimony out of our test and a message out of our mess where life damaged us but he repaired us. Freedom in the mud is experienced when we release ourselves from the standard of protection. Woo. We are trying to achieve perfection, but you will experience freedom when you release yourself from that standard of perfection. You will experience beauty in your mud when you celebrate the uniqueness and intentionality with which God made you. Healing you will find in the mud when you recognize the grace represented by the broken fragments that have been reunited in your life. You will find truth in the mud when we see ourselves as stronger vessels when becoming whole after being broken. Because 
We are fearfully and wonderfully made, not even though we are broken, but because we are broken. My appeal is simple. Will you bring him your dirt? God can only make a miracle. He can only demonstrate his mercy. He can only show you the meaning of your mud if you bring him your dirt. That the Holy Spirit now can add water to, to create the pot that you see before you. Will you bring him your dirt? If you are willing to bring him your dirt, I just wanna ask that you stand to your feet in this time. This is an appeal of release. This is an appeal of, of submission. This is an appeal of surrender. If you want to walk out of here as heavy as you came in, stay seated. If you have no intention of experiencing change in this worship atmosphere, stay seated. But indicate by your hand or by the standing to your feet, if you want to leave your dirt here so that God can do the magic he can do with that special ingredient, the Holy Spirit in the water, I just ask that you pray with me in this time. Bow your heads. God, we stand before you today as broken people, as hurt people, as people who have been pained by our past but we also stand as people who recognize the authority of our creator. God, with the same hand that you used, the same fingertips by which you fashioned the first man and woman, recreate in our soul, God, a renewal, a hope, a newness for our future. Father, we thank you for being a God who can show us meaning, who has demonstrated mercy, who has the power to make miracles happen in our lives. God, we petition you for that today. I don't know the dirt that was brought into this place. I don't know what is carried on the shoes of the feet that entered, God, but these people before me and that are listening online want to release those things to you, God. Now, I don't know what that looks like for each person moving forward, but I do know, God, that you are the God who can take it all. You are the God who can make new something that you created before. So God, as we stand before you in postures of submission and surrender to you, we thank you, God, for your mercy, for your miracles, and for everything that you mean. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. <laughs>